Stephen Pritchard for Thursday Finance Today. Now, Stephen Pritchard, it is time for politicians to give lots of speeches and make lots of promises, and there seems to be lots of money involved. What do you reckon? Are we going to see it all? Uh, I think you need to take it all with a grain of salt. I mean, a perfect example is just this week we have the state government announcing the uh, uh, abolition of various uh, state business taxes, such as stamp duty and, um, on mortgages and securities transfers. Now, people with a long memory would realise that that was all supposed to have been done when the GST came in, because the GST, the state's collection of GST was a trade-off in respect of the taxes. Well, of course, they never got abolished in New South Wales until uh, proposed 16 years later. So I think, you know, some of these promises they're making, um, if you're on the other side, I think you need to ask for a definitive date of of when this money is going to be paid across. We want a date. We want a date and ask them. Of course, the next step, you can ask them uh, what's going to happen if it doesn't. All right. In the meantime, let's move back to seeing what commodities have been uh, doing in the past week. Something in the tangible world. Um, the, the gold price was up uh, 2.3% on the week in Australian dollar terms to $1,729. Um, and the silver price was up $23. It was up to $23.64, which is uh, up 4% on the week. Now, the, the gold and silver prices are moving up um, basically because a combination of the fall in the Australian dollar, because they're quoted in US dollars, and the fact the market uncertainty that's developing over the the vote in the UK about the exit from the European common market. So we'll be hearing a bit more about that later on. Yeah, that really is the hot topic. Isn't yeah, it? it's a hot topic. And, there's, and markets don't like uncertainty. And in times of uncertainty, gold and silver, to a certain extent, as soon as a, 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 a store of value. And, and what you've got going around in the world at the moment, you've got um, the, the European U, um, vote coming up in the UK. You've got the presidential election coming up in um, the U, US yeah. with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton like being the two um, although there was talk of an independent standing, and you've got the election coming up in in uh, Australia, so lots of uncertainty. Hmm. Uh, and the currencies, well, the Australian dollar was um, pretty steady on the week. It was only down point one two um, to uh, seventy four um, US cents. Now there was an article floating around in the week uh, earlier in the week that said uh, BT is predicting the Australian dollar to fall sub uh, fifty cents, maybe to go as low as forty. That's interesting. Um, That's uh, a big difference. Yeah, it's a big difference. A big difference. Very expensive for overseas trips and mm, they're going to almost double. Um, so the uh, against the Great British Pound, we're up 1.6%. And that's a symptom of the pound falling um, because of the euro vote. Um, the euro, euro, we're up 0.3% to 65 euro cents. Um, the equity markets around the world were a sea of red ink um, over the last week. The Australian market was down uh, 3.8% to 5,230. Uh, the US Dow was down 2% to 17,640. Uh, the UK market was down 5% to 5,966. And the Hang Seng, which is Hong Kong, is was down 4% to 20,467. So... Combined with the current uh, economic 
status and the uncertainty, all the markets had a bad week. Um, Wex Texas Intermediate Crude was down 1.2% for the week to $66.68 a barrel. Um, now, the, the, the uh, unleaded fuel prices in Newcastle, um, were unfortunately, were up 4% of the week to $1.27.9. Now, that, that was interesting because, um, as Jane correctly predicted, they seem to have jumped with the long weekend. Oh, did they? Yes, mm. perhaps you can become a market <laughs> forecaster. I just have to work out how we can make some money out of it. So that's twice in a row you've got that, this right? This Thursday finance, after yes. all. <laughs> yes, and in Sydney, in Sydney, they were up 7.9 to $1.33 a litre. So, so um, we're six cents ahead um, or behind, which is quite good for a change. However, uh, the, the oil price has been going up over the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? No, it's actually fallen. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On the, uh, uh, on the 17th of May, um, the oil price was uh, $66 a barrel, and yesterday it was $66 a barrel. Oh, and on the 17th of May, the unleaded fuel price was $1.19 a litre in Newcastle. And yesterday, or this morning, it was $1.27. So the crude prices stayed stable, but the uh, the unleaded price has gone up uh, $0.08 cents a litre. Mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. if the long weekend's got anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And the diesel price in Newcastle, well, that was pretty steady, $1.24 a litre. And in Sydney, a dollar eighteen per litre. Mm. Well, maybe the prices will settle down now that we've had our fun with our long weekend. Ah, um, but you've got school holidays coming. Oh, up this in two is weeks. very true. Okay, yes. and, and prediction so by Stephen. Me. Mm. We're joined now by Henry Jennings, who's senior commentator with the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Over to you, Stephen. Henry. Stephen, how are you? Well, I'm Stephen. good, Henry, and. That's good. I don't know how the, the, how the, the investors are with what's happening on the ASX. The prices are up and down. No one knows what's happening. Well, we, we have sort of entered the, uh, the, the, the highly volatile period. We've got through one event last night, which was the, uh, the Federal Reserve meeting in the U.S. with no change to rates there. But the biggest event on investors' minds at the moment is the, uh, the so-called Brexit, where the U.K. population gets to vote next week. Um, next Thursday on uh, on whether they stay in Europe or leave Europe. So that that's the big concern, and of course there's you know lots of uh, ramifications, I guess for uh, for each um, kind of choice that they make. Yeah. So so do you know um, what day the results are going to be out? And they'll be out Friday their time, Friday morning. Which is what. Uh, so it will be Saturday, uh, Saturday. Or Friday evening. Yeah, yeah Saturday yeah, Friday time. evening. It'll be after our market closes. But um, th- this time, usually the results sort of come out um, with general elections in the UK sort of as they arrive. But this time, um, they're sort of putting a bit of an embargo on them. There will be some exit polls. So we will get a bit of an idea. But it's going to be... Um, it's going to be, I think, a knife-edge decision for the, um, mm-hmm. for the UK population. So, so, so if they do, do exit, what, what, what type of stocks will be, what, what companies here will benefit? I mean, there was a list somewhere I said that, that, that companies that will be at a disadvantage, but we're more interested in ones that will benefit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's very hard to, uh, I was asked this on Sky TV yesterday, it's, it's very hard to put your finger on ones that will actually benefit if um, the UK was to leave. Um, there's certainly some that would uh, maybe um, suffer because of that, mainly because of the currency. Some stocks like Henderson and BT um, have big UK operations, uh, big UK earnings, same with Macquarie Group and things like Iris and Clydesdale Bank. So any effect of the currency 
um, does translate to lower Australian stock prices as well. So um, regardless of um, you know what the stock does, um, the currency is the big implication, I guess, in terms of uh, um, you know, repatriating uh, either the profits or also a, a translation of the share mm. price it back mm. into Aussie dollars. So mm. that, that, that will be the big key. Um, and the currencies have been quite volatile, as have uh, the stock markets. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. There's lots of dire predictions coming out of the, um, the Remain camp about how much um, the UK economy will suffer because of any vote to leave uh, the European Union. And there's a lot of scaremongering going on. Um, I spoke to my, my mum actually last night in the UK, and, and she was saying that uh, there was an awful lot of scaremongering going on in terms of pensions, increases in prices, more taxes, all this sort of stuff to pay for the black hole that leaving Europe will will um, will cause. So um, lots of scaremongering uh, from probably from both sides as well. So yeah, I'm sure that's right. I'm sure. I mean, it's yeah, the same it's as gonna, a, it's going to be a bitter fight. It's the same as the. Uh, uh, year 2000 when all the computers allegedly had to be replaced and the world was going to end and yeah, just went I, on. I, I think this is probably um, uh, I, I remember sitting through many many meetings about Y2K which you know seemed to be completely over my head and I, I didn't really understand what they were all going on about or why they thought it was such a big thing but it did provide a lot of um, a lot of contractors, a lot of mm. business for a, lot of t- uh, for a long while yeah, in sorting right. it all out um, I think this has probably more significance um, because there is the, the view that they might have a domino effect and that if the UK were to leave the European Union, then other countries might also get a sense that they should uh, do the same. Mm, mm. And down here in Australia, I mean, what's happening with Virgin? They're now the, the Chinese have bought some shareholding in it and, and, and yeah. New Zealand Airlines has exited and now they, they need to raise a billion dollars to, to pay down some debt. Yeah, I mean, Virgin. Unfortunately, they haven't been quite as successful in the, in riding the uh, the lower oil price tailwinds. Um, serious mixed metaphors there, um, as Qantas have, um, and they are raising nearly a billion dollars. And most people, um, to be honest, I mean, there's not very many people that would own um, Virgin. Um, and if you did, you'd be mad. You have got, um, you know, you've got a, a huge amount of. Um, of cornerstone shareholders now. They've got, uh, the Chinese have got over 30%. You've got Etihad in there. You've got Air New Zealand. You've got Singapore Air. So uh, and, of course, Virgin Holdings themselves. So there's not a lot of space there for the um, for the retail investor, even if you wanted to play the game. And, and the stock really has suffered. I think it's a you know, five-year low. And, and realistically, they have made a bit of a, a mess of the whole um, lower oil price situation. And you do feel that... Um, Things are not all that good, and I wouldn't want to be at the board meeting with uh, with the, the Middle Eastern, the, the Asian, and the New Zealanders, and everybody mm. else fighting amongst each other. You can just see it, can't you? Oh, yep. And so down at um, down at, a, at, a, at another casino, um, <laughs> it's it's looking to Crown's now looking into um, demerge its operations into placing some of the assets into a property trust. Yeah, I mean that Jamie Packer has been talking about. Um, there was there was the the vague rumor and the vague thought bubble he had about privatizing Crown because he was upset that the market really wasn't giving it enough credit for the businesses they have in Australia. And of course, the problem that they've had is they're very much weighed down with the Macau business, and that was always seen as the great shining light at one stage for mm-hmm. Crown, and the stock went ballistic on the back of it at one stage. But of course, in the last few years, the Chinese government and authorities have been cracking down on money laundering and various other sort of nefarious activities, uh, some of which have taken
gambling is, is down severely, and as a result, Crown is sort of feeling they've been held back. So what they're looking to do is to split the company um, and demerge the international business, which is holding the share price back, and leave themselves with uh, with the Australian business and also uh, float off part of that um, Australian business in terms of a property trust. I guess it's a bit similar to what Bunnings have done mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, it's kind of like a sale on a leaseback, I guess. You're you're liberating the asset, but you're, you're, you'll now become, well, you now become the tenant rather than the owner. So um, it's, it's obviously an interesting move from Crown, and it's um, certainly ignited the share price today. Um, you know, Crown are a little bit peeved that uh, you know, they see their competitors like the Star Group and Sky City Entertainment, both of which have been very good performers. I think Star's up over 100% the last couple of years, um, whereas Crown's down about 25%. So um, it's certainly helped today because they're up 14%. So... Um, they're now only down 11% in the last two years. Oh, that's all right. Uh, yeah. We might we might come back in a moment and talk about Mesoblast, which was sure. which was down 42 on on one day during the week. Yeah, nasty, nasty. It's our market snapshot. So, Henry, um, Mesoblast, which is doing which which has a local connection here, actually, um, is develop is de- was developing some stem cell technologies for heart attack recovery. So yeah. what seems to have happened there is that the price seems to have dropped dramatically. <laughs> the price has dropped dramatically. I didn't realise it had some connection to... Uh, to yeah, some of the research was done up here at the... the, the, the Hunter? Uh, yes. Oh, cool. Um, basically, the problem they have is they have an Israeli pharmaceutical company, which is their partner. Um, they bought 16% of the shares some time ago and had agreed to fund the phase three trials of this new uh, stem cell treatment for uh, for heart disease, as you say. The problem is that um, the Teva, which is the Israeli company, seems to have got cold feet. Now, um, there are various reasons why they could potentially have got cold feet. One, of course, is they've seen some of the early results from the phase three trial um, and they have got cold feet. The other is that they have got some other issues because they are buying um, a, a big generic drug company in the UK, which may... Uh, force them to uh, to raise some money or at least not commit some money. So um, the uh, the Mesoblast guys tried to put a really positive spin on the announcement that Teva had pulled out of the funding of these trials uh, by saying that they'd regain the worldwide license and rights to the treatment. But unfortunately, by regaining the worldwide license and rights, um, they've also regained the full cost of the Phase 3 trial, which is very expensive. The Phase 3 is the last sort of stepping stone mm-hmm having proved that it's not going to kill you and then having proved that it will do some good in some people, they have to go to the phase three, which it says sort of proves that it does some good in lots of people. Um, and this is going to cost over 100 million bucks. And the, the theory is they haven't got the money. Um, they're burning cash quite considerably. And now they kind of need a, a big brother partner to help them um, get this because it takes 18 months. They've got to recruit 600 patients. It's not an easy thing to do. So the stock price tanked the other day. It was down 42%, as you say. Um, it uh, had a good rally yesterday, and it's fallen back today. So it's, it's kind of gone from about 10 bucks to a nearly, no, nearly a dollar um, in its sort of, from its heyday of around 10 bucks when it was the, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. So um, it has had a massive fall from grace, and uh, there are obviously some question marks now about the funding, and also, of course, about the uh, 16% that Teva owns and whether they want to uh, to sell that 16% into the market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so interesting times. And then Metcash seems to, seem to have uh, yeah. seemed to be surprising people. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very surprised about this. You know, we've got Woolworths and Coles slugging it out, um, and quietly in the corner, Metcash has actually been, uh, well, at least the share price has been going particularly well. It, uh, it recently got up to $2.25. It's down uh, nearly 6% today, but it's had an extraordinary rally. There are some, some hopes that the, uh, the grocery and food divisions have stabilised. There's also some optimism about uh, the withdrawal of Woolies from their master's business, creating opportunities for Metcash, which um, are the, uh, the Mitre 10 people. So um, there are some, some hopes on the hardware side of things and hopes on the food and grocery side, but we do get some results next week. So it'll be interesting to see whether the reality has backed up the, uh, the optimism that's been in the market. I, I, I think they've kind of... Um, maybe got a little bit ahead of themselves, but we shall see. Mm. And poor old AMP seems to have problems down at the China Growth Fund again. <laughs> I mean, another, yeah. another group of people want it wound up and Jeff Wilson's joined the fray down there. Yeah, I mean, this, this has been a problem for them for some time. They have a fund called the China Growth Fund, which was launched back in 2006. It's a great fanfare, but it was one of the few ways that you could get exposure to China. Um, the problem for the AMP, of course, is that the thing has traded consistently at a discount to the uh, net tangible assets of the company, which is around a dollar. It's currently trading around 80 cents, and they have been unable to close that gap. Usually, um, these sorts of funds trade at usually a small discount, um, not quite so big as this 20%. Some even trade at a premium. Some of the things like the Gerawa uh, and those sorts of funds um, trade at a premium. So um, there's a, a bunch of activist shareholders, shall we say, including Jeff Wilson, that wants to wind the trust up. Um, and as a result, they would sell the assets, realize the cash of about a dollar a share, uh, and buying at 80 cents obviously then gives you the 20% upside. Um, everyone's happy apart from the AMP, which forego their uh, performance fees. Not that there will ever be any because of, uh, it hasn't done that, um, but also their management fees in terms of running the fund. So, um, And also, I guess there's a bit of uh, ego and a bit of... Um, you know, there's a bit of chest beating involved in this uh, exercise as well, and it would be a bit egg on the face if their, uh, you know, their great white hope as a China growth fund um, actually didn't grow and actually had to be wound up. So um, it wouldn't be a good PR look. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can uh, wind this thing up. So a few meetings to come and EGMs and shareholder votes, but um, yeah, see what happens. More to, more to come in this one. And there was an interesting move in the US this week that, that Microsoft is, is, is paying out $26 billion for LinkedIn. Yeah. I've never really got LinkedIn. Um, it's obviously um, some people do and use it very effectively. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a, the, the professional's Facebook, yep. I guess, if, if you want to put it that way. And it uh, allows uh, professional people to contact each other without having to look at cat and dog pictures. Um, and um, you know, Microsoft is, um, is looking for avenues of growth and to integrate it into their platform. So they've paid, which you know, does look quite a lot of money, to be honest. It's a lot of money to make. It's about 45 50% over the, uh, the current share price, uh, oh. which, where it was trading before the announcement. So it does seem to be a lot of money. Sometimes, though, um, uh, somebody explained it to me once that these, um, these big um, takeovers are not just about um, buying the business. It's, it's really trying to get hold of that pool of talent that has developed the business and keeping them together. Um, and also it, it does also kind of involve warehousing technology that could disrupt your own technology. So it kind of protects your own business, gives you a big team of people that are smart um, without having to uh, go out and cherry pick them. Um, plus it gives 
you're obviously a business as well, but it does seem quite a big price to pay. Yeah, we've just got time for one more thing, which is which yep. was, I thought was quite interesting. Exxon's looking to sell its Bass Strait assets now. <clears throat> I would have thought that the, the the people who should be looking at buying that is um, the other partner, which is BHP. I wonder if they've got enough money to buy them. Um, well, it looks like BHP is, is going to be selling them as well. It oh, are they? looks like they want to put their stake in the uh, the oil fields up to, up for sale, um, which could be an historic exit as the media says, from Australia's oldest offshore petroleum province. Um, so um, it looks like both BHP and Exxon um, are looking to sell the fields. Um, I guess you know these are two massive players in the oil and gas industry, so if these guys are selling, um, you would wonder who would be buying. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, I don't know who would be out there buying, maybe... Maybe there's, um, you know, another big U.S. oil company or a Chinese oil company, perhaps. But, uh, you know, most of the local ones, things like Santos or Origin, I mean, they haven't got the money to they do it. The money. Yep. Um, you know, so that there's very little local appetite. Maybe someone like Chevron. Um, who knows? But it, it does seem uh, that uh, BHP with, the, with a large balance sheet would be in, you know, kind of box seat to buy Exxon's assets, take the whole thing over uh, and uh, get complete control of it. But... Uh, Things I don't want to. Yes, well, given BSP's past decisions, it, uh, it might yeah. turn out to be the wrong decision. Yeah, they haven't had a great track record in, in big investments. No. Anyhow, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week for your words of wisdom. And if people want to get your words of wisdom in the meantime, they can get the free, um, register the free subscription on your website for a couple of weeks. Yeah, they can. And also, um, there's some good end of financial year deals being done as well for. Uh, marcustoday.com.au so, Oh, is there? Oh, I'll yeah. have a look. So, yeah, <laughs> have, a look. Have, have a look and, uh, and there's some good, good deals to be done and there's even some prizes to win. Oh, excellent. Mm, what a, what a, free, a free talk with you, Henry. <laughs> That's be worth <laughs> a lot of money. No, not at all. And in the meantime, of course, it's almost end of year time, Stephen, so um, we all need tax tips to help us. Well, it's almost too late for all tax tips for the end of the year, but we, we've still got a few two weeks Two weeks exactly. There you go. Two weeks exactly left. Okay, so so one of the things you can do is is your superannuation contributions. And before we get into that, um, I think we might as well take a call from John, who's rung in with a question on superannuation for you. Hello, John. Hello. Superannuation, eh? Yes, that's right. Um, I suppose this question... um, comes about with the recent changes announced um, regarding superannuation. It's been in the media, and I suppose specifically um, in the past I've made undeducted contributions to my super fund, and I want to contribute some more in the future, but my dilemma is I I don't know how much money I've put in there, and I only have records going back six years, so I'm not sure what I can do to sort of work out how much more I can put in. Yes, well, yeah. I mean, this is a bit of a problem. I mean, that the 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 first issue is 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 the 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 government's announced this um, capping of um, non-concessional uh, contributions to superannuation to five hundred thousand over a lifetime, mm-hmm. um, but that hasn't actually become law yet, and and it might never become law. So at the current time, the old rules still apply, um, and uh, of um, you know, a hundred and eighty thousand a year and 
may be able to bring forward to a maximum of 540, depending if you're satisfied the bring forward rule. Now, it's not quite clear what happens if you if you if you put the money in and then the law uh, the legislation is actually passed. So that's that's the risk you run there if you if you comply with the existing law and not the proposed law that might never mm-hmm. be introduced. Now, the other the other thing you've got is this, of course, because it goes back to 2007. Um, a lot of people have only kept records back to the old seven year rule. And um, they don't actually know what money's been placed into the fund as, as non-concessional contributions. And 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 the only the only two people who who've got that, if you haven't got that, is if you've been in the one fund all the time, that mm-hmm. fund may have it. But then again, um, they only had to keep records for seven years. But the the Australian Tax Office claims that it's actually got the documents and can actually supply the um, the numbers for you. Now I have seen a letter from the ATO saying what someone's non-concessional contributions were back to 2007. Um, it came from another firm. They they showed it to me. So, but I don't know how long it actually took to get out of the ATO and, and I don't know whether you can just ring up and ask them. So uh, the, 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 I suspect if you ask them in writing, you're not going to get it by the end in two weeks. Um, I think the best bet would be to ring the, the ATO. Um, they're going to ask you for, you know, your tax file number and date of birth and some ID details. So what I would do before I rang the ATO, I'd, I'd get, grab out last year's uh, assessment notice mm-hmm. and make sure you've got the TFN and, and the assessment number and, 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 and then give them a ring and see if they'll give you it over the phone. I mean, that's the only way. You can do it. I mean, the other way is you can, I suppose, is put in what you think and hope you don't go over it or hope the law doesn't be changed. To be honest, it's a bit of a mess. Okay. Okay. So I'd ring the ATO, get your assessment notice out, ring the ATO um, and see if they'll give it to you over the phone. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much for your call, John. And yes, as you say, it is a yeah, tricky it's a bit thing. Of, it's a bit of mess. You know, but which of course, laws. if the ATO is going to police that, if it does become law, then they must have the records. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've sent, told us that they do have the records, but it's a manual, it's a manual process of extracting the, the data at this stage and it will be automated in the future. But, but um, you know, what a manual process means, how long it takes, I don't know. Mm. Um, uh, you know. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so as, as that last call says, it's thinking of putting additional contributions in the super fund. If you want a tax deduction, that's quite clear. You can put in up to 35000 or, or 35000 can be put in for you. Um, as a, as a concessional component, um, it's still thirty five thousand next year as well. Uh, but after that, it drops to twenty five. So, so if you're th- wanting to top up your super, now might be the year to put in. Uh, make sure you're putting the maximum um, deductible amount of thirty five, provided you meet the other criteria. Criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still not too late to to commence a pension payment in your in your fund this year, mm-hmm. um, subject to the fund being able to do all the, the paperwork, and and you can backdate that for the pension for the whole year so you know you can have a one annual pension payment and so that would make the those assets that are subject to paying the pension on non-accessible income for the current year and of course um, some of the old people who've got investment properties or borrowed to buy a share portfolio or other assets um, uh, they, they can prepay the interest for 13 months now you have to make sure the bank writes a contract so you're going to be bit pressed on time of that, but I think the bank's pretty much up to usual doing that at this time of the year. So you can prepay your interest for 13 months and get a tax deduction in the current year. 
it's not worthwhile paying it more than 30 months because you don't get a um, tax deduction for that. And you also need to make sure that the bank's going to give you a sufficient discount for the um, prepaid interest. If you're prepaying it, you should get a lower rate than what you're paying on your um, okay. P&I. Yeah, that's good to remember. Yes. Now, what about new plant and equipment? Ah, uh, yes. Well, one of the good things about small business, um, and I think this is far more valuable than the tax cut, uh, the 1.5% tax cut off the company tax rate, is small business can invest in new in, in plant and equipment, and provided it's less than 20000 for each item of plant and equipment, um, they, they're entitled to a tax deduction of 100%. So if you if you need to go out and buy, a, for example, a small truck or something that's less than 20000 you get a tax deduction for that in the current year, provided you buy it prior to the 30th. And, of course, the same thing about prepayments apply to small businesses. Um, you can prepay any of the expenses for up to 30 months, um, leasing of plant and equipment, um, uh, rent on your building, um, and provided it's less than 30 months prepayment, you can get a tax deduction in the current year for that as well. Now, that sounds good. And that uh, will see us through, will it, to um, tax uh, One other tip that applies to everyone, uh, if you want to make some gifts or donations to... Um, to, to charity, and make sure you make them before the end of the year and make sure that they have a deductible gift recipient number. If you don't have this number these days, you're not entitled to the tax deduction. And I think the Red Shield appeals were still running, so they'll take your money, I'm sure. But there's <laughs> there's plenty of other charitable people you may want to give some money away to. So um, those three letters, DGR is DGR, what you need. Yes, <laughs> deductible right. gift recipient, recipient, and they'll have a reference number. And that's Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Catch this program on podcast on 2NURFM.com.